first lockdown, we used as a possibility to um, to uh, getting our fingers into uh, setting up an online store. Hey folks, that was the voice of Carlos Navarro, part owner and executive chef of well-known Zurich-based restaurant Reichberg 1837. So grab yourself a drink, alcoholic or non-alcoholic, depending on your preference, and come join us as we talk all things chefy on Grab a Drink with a Swiss Chef. welcome to the show. I'm your host, Daniel Kershaw, and our featured guest today is Carlos Navarro, part owner and executive chef of Reichberg 1837 and Rank, which is a jazz and gastronomy restaurant also located in Zurich. Carlos takes us through his career um, and the importance and focus he places on cooking with seasonal and regional products from in and around Zurich, and also talks about the joys of working with his friends. Reichberg 1837 is located at the top of the old town in Zurich. Uh, its actual address is Chorgasse 20, and Rank is located at Niederdorfstrasse 60, which is pretty close to Reichberg, I think. Carlos is a cool guy, and I really enjoyed this one, so check it out. Hey, Carlos, and welcome to the podcast. It's uh, nice of you to be here. Thank you very much, Daniel. It's an honor to, to be here and talk to you and cool. have a drink with you. Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> That's exactly my, uh, my first question. Um, and I ask everybody um, who participates on this, uh, on this pod, and it's, what are you drinking? Well, besides my isolated uh, two-liter water bottle, I have my uh, Lupin coffee with me. Okay. So at uh, Restaurant Rechberg, 1837, we work exclusively with Swiss um, products, alimentaries. Mm -hmm. And since there is no um, coffee growing in, in Switzerland, we serve uh, coffee made out of roasted uh, lupins, which is a uh, really yes. Wow! Um, so it's caffeine free. It's uh, I say if you're expecting a strong espresso, the Italian way, it will not um, substitute that. But it brings some nice flavors of roasted almond, uh, roasted hazelnuts, chocolate, the bitter and sour combination, and 
yeah, it's a nice brew to also drink in the evening and doesn't uh, bother your sleeping rhythm. Wow, that sounds great. I have to try it. Yes, I would love to. <laughs> I would love to come by and, and uh, have a cup with you here at Rechte. Exactly. <laughs> so look, before we get into, you know, topics about you, about the story, um, mm -hmm. you know, can you talk a little bit about uh, the restaurant? You know, what is it for folks that don't know about it? What's the concept? How did how did it come into your life? And basically, what's your uh, your role there? Um, yeah, well, I will start at the very beginning. I am co-owner and responsible for the cooking and the creative uh, process that happens on the plate. And Rechberg 1837 is run by 11-9, depending a little bit the season of the year, wonderful people. Um, also, my partners are Celine Horst, which is mostly responsible for the human resources part and uh, parts of administration, but also the design and uh, guest relation. Mm -hmm. And also a longtime friend of mine. When next to the two of us, there's Raphael and Alexander Guckenbühl, two brothers that I grew up with. And uh, Raphael is mainly responsible for the um, the buying of wine, the concept of wine, the reservation sites, the accountants, and his brother Alexander, the cultural part, who uh, is responsible for the cultural parts, also the vision and mainly strategy that uh, we are um, working on. So the four of us knew us. Uh, long before Rechberg, long before we even knew that we wanted to run our own business together. Um, part of us went to preschool, others had some, uh, some, um, how you say, um, uh, other schooling together. Mm -hmm. And in 2016, um, we decided to um, open Rechberg. Actually, it's a, a restaurant owned by the city, and it was a it was a public announcement that uh, they wanted to uh, um, change the, the ownership, change the concept, and so we uh, we we wrote a concept together. Um, the three of them were already working at a pop up restaurant a little bit outside of Zurich. Mm -hmm. I was working at the catering um, uh, enterprise back then. And yeah, we, we then put together a concept where actually the food itself wasn't, wasn't in, in the center. It was more about to, okay. to open up a, a play field for us to to get, make our, our, not our first, but our second and third steps in self-employment and trying to find out what we really want to do. So by now, 
almost seven years later, we're uh, considering us a fine dining restaurant. Back then, when we opened, it was uh, a la carte's uh, menu with uh, lunch and dinner six days a week. And already, I would say, avant-gardistic approach, but um, very raw. And since then, we, we, we started to experiment what works, what doesn't work. What in the center was always, were always two things. Um, first, like the, our, our um, um, well-being and the well-being of all, everybody that works with us and the ability and possibility for everyone that works with us to uh, leave a mark of himself and really define the product together with us. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, for sure, the the feelings and the expectations of our guests. So the approach was always every every person enters uh, with the with the state of uh, emotional state and shall leave a little bit happier, a little bit um, well, with a, a better well-being. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, since then we're we're developing on that. And at, the, at the moment we're opened uh, five evenings in uh, per week, serving a set menu of uh, six or three courses. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we, we sell it as a six or three course menu, but it's, it's actually more, you get some small, uh, things before, after, and in between, but it's like three set plates or six set plates. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's great. And I also noticed that you have, uh, in addition to Reichberg 1837, you also have a, another place as well called rank. Exactly. So we open up rank, um, bit more than one and a half years ago it was a project it was a pre-corona project so (laughs) we signed all the contracts and three months later the first lockdown came and um yeah it was the the venue was a strip club for 30 years (laughs) no really Uh, okay (laughs) a strip club with the snack bar actually with the snack bar that was serving (laughs) um sausages that were produced in the back of the strip club so um yes it was it was a legendary venue for for some individuals in the city um and also for the neighborhood so 30 years ago the old part of of zurich wasn't that um touristic um touristic uh place to visit it changed a lot and um yeah after after 30 years um they they uh, ran out of the contract and the owners of the building wanted something new in in there and we applied with the concept that actually started at rechberg mm-hmm. because as i said before alexander um comes a little bit from the cultural corner and we did a lot of concerts in at Rechberg with uh, local bands and tried always to bring the uh, 
creative world of composing musicians together with the process of developing a new dish or recipe. So what we served wasn't only like music and food, but a whole package of, uh, of a, an evening filling program that uh, was inspired by, from, from the same, same um, um, seed, if you mm -hmm. want to say it like that. So uh, the plant of evening that grew out of this idea was then uh, served to the, to the people. And yeah, so we wanted to, to reach more people. So the concept we gave in was like a cultural venue and not a restaurant. And uh, that's also why we called it uh, cultural venue rank or cultural venue am rank because it has a kitchen, it has a bar, but it also has a stage. And on the other hand, um, I mean, we, we have three times a week, we have, uh, we have concerts always uh, Thursday, Friday and Saturday. There's a, the same local band every every week for three evenings and it changes every week so and um but um we we also serve food and also the perspective of the of the work that happens in the gastronomic part of rank we we see it a bit as a uh more as a cultural work than only eco economical because okay. first of all it's still uh, in rank as in Rechberg very important for us how is the well-being of the people working at our place mm -hmm. and what are our partners where do we where do we get our alimentaries from where do we where do we um, buy our uh, tabletops from? So those are all, all decisions that are based on fundamental um, um, values mm -hmm. that we set up together and trying to, to um, bring them through, through the whole concept. Okay, and, and Carlos, what, what is your position um, at both these places? Are you the head chef of uh, Reichberg 18? 37 and rank or are you just your part is just focused on Reichberg? Um, my role is shifting a little bit this, okay. this year actually. So I was I was the head chef for for six years at Reichberg and developing the culinary concept together with everybody um, working with me, but I was responsible for it. So mm -hmm. January last year, Andy Bolliger joined us in the kitchen. He came directly from Sven Wasmer's memories in Badragatz. And he didn't apply specific for a sous chef or a head chef position, but wanted to cook. And he seemed to be keen to to cook the way we do. So shortly, um, I explained that at Rechberg, we don't use any processed alimentaries. We do everything in-house. Mm -hmm. so there is no gelatin. There is no baking soda, sosa or textura products, neither um, tomato puree. Um, the only ex ex exceptions that we do is for flour and cheese. So okay. the rest, we produce it in-house. 
So he joined us, and um, I, I I can say it was uh, in a in a working working um, wise aspect, love at first sight. So he's he just started to to take away um, uh, responsibility from me, which mm -hmm. I was very thankful for. And step by step, he started to do the orders, creating new dishes, um, rearranging the setup in the kitchen, which uh, sometimes confused me a little bit, still does, but I love it. So mm. I, I, I like it when people, people use what we got in order to get better. Mm -hmm. And yeah, by now, um, um, we're going to, to change his and my position a bit. So he's taking over the, um, the lead in the kitchen. I support him with the network of uh, producers that we build, build up in the last, in the last years. Mm -hmm. And also with my knowledge that I gained through, through all the years working in okay. kitchens and different concepts. So then you, yeah. So then you're focusing, you start to shift a little focus um, from that to, to rank. Yeah, well, in Rank, I was from the beginning on supporting Michaela, which is the head chef at Rank, yeah. with uh, process optimizing and um, developing new strategies to to get through. Because if you open a restaurant, you you always hit hit moments that it's yeah you 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 come to challenges and you have to to react pretty fast and. So I'm mostly a, a counselor by now. Right. Carlos, where, where did you, um, thanks for giving that, that, uh, that background. It's, it's super helpful. Um, where did you grow up, Carlos? Are you, are you Swiss or? I grew you... up in Zurich. In Zurich. Yeah. My mother is from, uh, Emmental in Bern. So, uh, Konolfingen okay. to be specific. It's a small town. And my father is from Spain, Andalusia, next to Malaga, also oh. a small town. But I grew up in Zurich, went to school in Zurich, and mostly also worked in the Zurich area. Okay. And was food uh, a big part of, uh, of your childhood? Very big, very big, yes. So my parents separated very early. I can remember that. But, and I grew up with my mother. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, the the connection to my father was always around, and here I, I had always the possibility, and the the the, the contact was always very um, very good and and mm -hmm. uh, positive. But the main influence was sure by my mother. She always cooked uh, for us and with us. We, my brother, my younger brother Lorenzo. And I were always involved in to the household. We helped to to clean, wash, um, shop, prep, and cook at home. Mm -hmm. uh, Mainly, was it uh, Swiss cuisine, or was it? Did you have the influence of the Spanish cuisine? Um, well, my mother was was more more uh, practical driven, so. Okay. Um, when she had time, she loved to, to go to the market at Birkliplatz and get her inspiration there. But most of the time, 
um, she went to Migro and bought mm -hmm. what's what's there and and we cooked what's what's uh, around what's uh, um, seasonal and yeah I wouldn't say it was typical Swiss neither it was typical uh, Spanish um, she was always very uh, experimental cooked a lot of Italian dishes uh, but also tried out new stuff and yeah and with my father it was more more international driven so what was your favorite dish growing up um yeah, that's a, uh no no it's a, a a simple question for me because i know it right right away but it's a funny story because it was a a, a lentil stew that my mother used to cook and you huh. know for 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 years i i tried to to recook this recipe you know and i tried a lot of different types of lentils and and uh, recipe approaches and finally some years, several years ago i asked my mother hey mom you know this lentil stew that you 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 cooked for us when we were younger i i loved it so much you know and i I really tried and I'm happy, you know, the, the lentil stews are good, but they're never as good as yours. What what did you do? And she she busted out laughing and was like, you know, this was the dish I cooked when I had the least time to cook for you guys. And it was lentils from the can pre-cooked. <laughs> yeah, really? as, as since then, I'm very happy with my lentil stew that I'm <laughs> of course <laughs> nice and, w and when you go home and visit your mom are you um are you the one jumping into the kitchen or are you the one sat down on the sofa and getting the the good the good home cooked dinner from mom? Uh, a little bit both so uh, i i you know i really like the social aspect of cooking so i really i really love cooking with people that I like or that I even love. So when we decide to eat together, we always cook together. So there is this Christmas feast we're having every year and it's it's taking the whole day. So we, we, we meet in the morning, having a, a coffee and some croissants together, go to shop what is left to shop and then go to the kitchen, start washing, prepping, cutting, make a break for the first glass of champagne and then uh, continue cooking and yeah so it's a I, I think I I like both I, I I like leaning back and enjoying good food but I I I'm really curious what's inside of the meals that I that I eat so if I'm not at a restaurant uh, I mostly join the people or even if I'm not cooking, but join the people in the kitchen and maybe help them do the, di the dirty dishes or whatever, but um, see how other people are cooking, talk with them about cooking and food and yeah. Very nice. At what point in either your, um, your childhood or your adolescence, did you, you know, was there a moment when you realized like, hey, you know, this topic is something that I want to explore. Like, you know, did you, 
did you always think you wanted to be a chef or how did that come about with you? Actually, I'm really one of those guys who tells you, and it's really the truth, <laughs> that I already knew in kindergarten that I'm going to be a chef. Yes, uh, because I grew up in kitchens. So my father uh, run several restaurants in Zurich. My mother grew up in a hotelier family. So kitchens were always, I was always around kitchens. And yeah, in, in kindergarten, yeah, within the age of uh, five and six, you're already able to hold a knife and peel a carrot, um, stir, uh, do some stir frying. And yeah, I helped a lot with my mother, but also when we, when we uh, stayed with our father at the weekends, um, he was obviously working as a, as a restaurant owner. And so we, we, we joined him working. Also a chef. Was he also a he chef? He loved cooking, but he never, never did a chef school. So he grew up uh, pre not not super poor, but on the land side, and they had to leave school pretty early and started to work. And gastronomy was a very easy way to 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 earn fast money. So this is also something that um, that. Uh, difference his approach of gastronomy and and mine uh, a lot he's he's working way more um economically than than than, than i do or thinks more economically i have to yeah. say it that way but yeah i i i um i helped a lot at uh, my father's place as well as much as you can help as a, a small kid so you right. did wash some vegetables and uh, and uh, walked around in the kitchen and as my father came from Spain um, to Switzerland without having a professional background, he shared people from the same heritage around him. So they were not 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 just um, um, country-wise, but also uh, educational-wise. So a lot of people that my father worked with weren't professional chefs, waiters, or gastronomic uh, uh, people. So and also people from everywhere it was a very wild and and rough place and it always reminded me of a of a pirate ship and i i knew exactly when i every time i entered the kitchen and hearing people speaking in tamil spanish um croatian or or, or albanian uh, and it was a wild steamy place filled with with noises and and um uh how you say noises and um odors not the not the odors but the tastes so i i was very yeah. wild and and also interesting so i i knew exactly this is where i want to spend the rest of my life and and then you know for, i mean that's a, a wonderful rich experience to to have as a kid and and then you know then you decided to study uh, catering at, at college, uh, university. Is that what you studied or did you did you say, yeah, maybe perhaps I'm going to try something else? Or what what, what was your study at, at, at college? Well, I, I just uh, finished uh, secondary school 
and then mm -hmm. started an apprenticeship as a chef. And okay. I, yeah, since since I knew pretty well what is going to expect me because I always helped out at my father's place. I also lived with my father for a certain time in my, my life. So I knew exactly what was expecting me. And um, yeah, it was a bit mixtured, uh, a mixture in between. I wanted to do exactly, or I want to live exactly in this world, but I want to do it different. Mm -hmm. So was the was the start you got in the industry, this internship at your father's place or was it at somewhere else? Um, it was a restaurant. Well, the apprenticeship was at the restaurant Zurhögi. It was a famous restaurant back in the 90s. And by now it doesn't sadly doesn't exist anymore. They um, broke down the, the, the house and built living, living uh, place. There it was a wonderful, beautiful old uh, house in Solikerberg, a community outside of, uh, uh, of Zurich on the city border. And yeah, it was famous for its wines, but also several famous chefs worked there. Uh, Daniel Hume had his time there. Nenad Milanovic had his time there. And uh, yeah, I started there as a young, young guy and uh, worked for three years there. And yeah, did my did my learnings. It was a rough, rough apprenticeship. And I'm happy that I didn't got that much support um, as I wished I got back then. <laughs> um, but uh, it surely formed my character and helped me to get stronger and prepared me for what came after. Was it a, um, was it a paid? Yes. Yeah, so you have this, this system in Switzerland of uh, apprenticeships that you uh, go and work for three years at the restaurant in the kitchen and join school either several days uh, in a row per year or one day every week and learn the theoretical part at school and the practical part mm -hmm. in the kitchen itself. Was it intense? I mean, did they really make you live that, uh, that intense? Oh, it was, yes, life? it was super intense. I, there were, uh, several, several moments where I told myself, oh, this, this is not what I want, but it wasn't about the working hours. It wasn't about the work, but it was about the very bad treatment of, uh, the employees there. So the, the language was rough and personal. And um, so the, the, the works that were giving to people that weren't very, uh, how I say, uh, friend with the head chef were, uh, were awful sometimes. And yeah, so it, it, it showed me exactly what I don't wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Do you still think this goes on in um, in Switzerland? This type of um, internship for for would be chefs. Well, yes, this, the, the 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 system of, of apprenticeships for for sure. Yes, this is something official, but the treatment, the language of uh, uh, um, of of employees is surely getting better, and uh, mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. I, I mean, you're not able to, to treat people like this anymore in those times. Mm -hmm. And would you say um, that was um, a career defining moment for you? Or was it the next thing you took that really defined your, uh, your career in this field? <sighs> or was it like a chef that took you under his wing uh, post that experience or? Yes, uh, well, I had several, several personalities in my life that I that I looked up to and several that uh, actually helped me and, as you said, took me under their wings and really pushed me and believed in me. I think this is something very important for for young spirits to to really have somebody that that shows you that they believe in you. And this is also something that I want to to give back when I work together with young, young people. Um, when I see a spark, when I see um, a flame in them, I, I want to help them. I want to support them. That's not meaning that I'm, I'm best buddy then, but I, I give them the tools that they need. And if they use them right, they maybe can do something with it and build up themselves. Interesting. Okay, and um, so, I mean, maybe we'll, let's switch gears a bit and, and, and talk to me a little bit about your, um, your favorite style of food. You know, what, what, what are the ingredients that you work mm -hmm. with that you enjoy? Mm -hmm. You know, what, what, what's your well, something not a specific product, but an aspect that is getting more and more weight in my life is the, the physiological aspect, you know, what do we get out of what we eat and also the philosophical aspect. So everything I eat becomes a part of me and every, every, um, buck that I spend supports somebody. So not only as a, uh, a personal, as an individual, but also as an enterprise, a lot of decisions that I, that I can make and a lot of, well, not a lot, but some influence that I, that I have with my, with my work. So for the physiological aspect, I am really getting into, um, the vegan, vegan part of cooking in the last, last. Yeah, since we started Rechberg, it's getting more and more weight for me. Um, and also this on different levels. I mean, the first level is is really what do I need? What does my body need to, to work right? I do a lot of sports and, and the way uh, I work is also physical. So I can... I can... Um, influence my well-being a lot with what I eat, when and how much of it. So this for sure is something, I mean, grains and, and leguminosas as lentils, chickpeas, beans, all sorts of, I, I really like the tastes and, and uh, the texture, but I also like what I can do with it. I can, I can, um, I can work a, a lot of in, interesting textures with the with the proteins inside of them. I can use them from starter to dessert as a, a, a crunchy crumble or a fluffy flan. 
and it's yeah something that I'm working or we're working a lot with it. Um, mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, as I'm self-employment, it's also a, a, a economical uh, aspect. Uh, the the vegan cuisine is cheaper than cooking with animal products, and so I think on all levels. Um, the vegan cuisine is something that that interests me a lot. What bothers me a bit is, but that's just my personal opinion, um, that in the vegan cooking, you very fast get into processed foods. And cooking for me, on one hand, it's yeah, what I what my body needs to work. But on the other side, it's also, um, as I said before, something th philosophically and and uh, gives me a lot of um, a lot of um, nutrition's also at the, in, a, in a mental state, you know. So, um, mm -hmm. The process of cooking when I'm cooking for myself and for my my girlfriend or for my friends for my family um i i enjoy this process and i i sometimes even tried to to put it pull it out as long as possible as i told you before and on on, on christmas i'm not very religious but i love this getting together once a year and really enjoying preparing together a, a feast that you mm -hmm. then enjoy together and eat together and and spend good talks good flavors and and good nutritions so um and what would you say your um your favorite dishes for for the home like you know you mentioned cooking with your friends <laughs> or your girlfriend what's your uh, what would you say your signature at dishes? home very practical it's porridge <laughs> porridge okay. uh, yeah no i i you know i don't I don't also at Rechberg, I don't have a lot of signature dishes because I, I, I like repetition in a technical aspect, but not in a dish. So every dish we serve or almost every dish we serve at Rechberg, we, we, we serve it once. And afterwards, once it gets off the menu, it's in the past seven years, it we we had like three dishes that that we served two times, um, or or another time once we took them off the menu, and yeah, but at home I'm very practical. You know, I I uh, I go to the um, to the organic store. I see what's what's there. I buy. I go home, and most most times, not even on the way home, I know what I'm going end up to eat. But at home, I always have. I have some grains. I always have some 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 beans, some some rice, and and then I see what happens. Mm -hmm. I start cooking, and 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 I see what happens. I also like this this spontaneous um, um, uh, part of of, of cooking. Mm -hmm. Talk to talk to me a little bit about um, the restaurant, like especially like the menu. Like, how do you go about designing? Mm -hmm menu like that. so like was it was it in, it was it intuitive um it, how often does it change um you know wh wh where does it we're start? now shifting the rhythms a bit so before 
we always change the menu at once, the whole menu, all the 10 courses we serve or six courses we serve, uh, we change them at once. We now shifting this a little bit to changing the individual dishes. The creative process happens through Gut Rheinau and Slowgrow, which are the two farms that we're getting our elementaries from. So where, where um, Slowgrow is in Mönchaldorf and Gut Rheinau is in Rheinau next to Schaffhausen. It's still Canton Zurich, uh, 30 kilometers from Rechberg. Uh, Mönchaldorf is about 10 kilometers, 15 kilometers from Rechberg. Um, yeah. So it's a little bit like at home. We, when you get home, open the fridge and see what's around and then decide cooking. So we, we checking with them what they got, what they want us to use. And from that, we write a menu. And mostly we, you know, we, we do like one order of uh, fresh or we receive like one order of fresh elementaries in the start of in the beginning of the week and uh, always order a little bit more and diverse that we actually need and start experimenting and and uh, working on new dishes all the time we also meet together once a month on our dirty thursday where uh, <laughs> we decide um, together a single product and every individual has to work out either a dish, um, a drink, where this product is in uh, focus. Wow. That's very interesting. And, and would you say the, um, the cuisine type, is it more geared towards the, you know, the audience of Switzerland? Um, is it, you know, Swiss cuisine or would you say that there's a lot of um, Italian influences or French influences? Um, we worked out a definition of uh, innovative traditional cuisine. So mm -hmm. the products that we use are very traditional. A lot of root vegetables, fresh herbs that grow around us, um, potatoes, cabbage, grains like uh, like uh, different types of wheat rye buckwheat um, beans like broad beans white red black lentils every everything that grows in switzerland so people growing growing up in switzerland um know all the products that we're working with but we serve them in a context that most people don't know so if you make like a, a flan, a caramelized flan of red beans and serve it with the red bean vermicelle and a granita of, I don't know, cabbage or, or carrots, it's sure a context that you're not, uh, not familiar with. So I would say for Swiss people, it's very interesting to get known the variety or the exotic aspect that Swiss products can have and from for for foreign people for sure it's also interesting to see the 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 product palette that that we have in Switzerland and what you're really able to do with 
alimentaries that you get from two farms. Mm -hmm. And if I came into the restaurant, so I haven't been to the restaurant, um, but if I, um, if I come in and I asked you, Carlos, okay, you know, pick me two dishes that really define the, the, the concept of Reichberg, uh, 1837, which two dishes would it be? Well, for sure it would be, uh, William, our, uh, sourdough bread. <laughs> um, that we're serving since the very beginning together with the homemade butter. So I'm, I'm sure you're familiar to the process of sourdough bread baking. Um, the beautiful aspect of, of this recipe is that it's really just water, salt and flour. And the flour is milled from ascita wheat that was developed in uh, Feldbach from the um, uh, Getreidezüchtung Peter Kunz. So they develop uh, new types of grains and leguminosas that are uh, working very well in the organic uh, agriculture. And it grows on Gutrei now. So if you want, you can say it's a single grain bread and which is very uncommon that you get uh, flour. I mean, yeah, for a small restaurant, it's easy to approach, but uh, it's not something very common in the gastronomy that for your baking, you use flour that is milled from one type of grain that grew on one farm, in one specific farm, and is always freshly milled. So I like to highlight that because it shows a lot how we work on one side, the time we take and also techniques that are very honest, very, very old, but still very actual and very, very, very good. And the products that we get. And on the other hand, we serve it with a homemade butter that is made from slightly fermented cream. So there is a very old, um, um, conservation method of milk called uh, sour milk, where you let the enzymes that are already in the milk break down the proteins of the milk and make some kind of yogurt out of it. And we take took this yogurt and infuse the cream with it and make our own sour cream. And it's also the same culture for uh, hmm. uh, for for six years now. And um, through that, the heavy cream, the cream gets sour, but also more digestible because it's filled with uh, lactic bacteria. And um, we like to, to serve the buttermilk together with the bread and the butter. So you uh, get like a small shot of buttermilk that uh, prepares your taste buds and gives you like a, a starting to the evening. So this is for sure one dish that represents a lot of what we do. Mm -hmm. And for the second, I wouldn't pick like a dish, but a product that we use very, very often. And it's um, okay. a spice powder that we make from uh, roasted celeriac skin. 
So as I said before, we only using Swiss products in Rechberg. So the spice um, spectrum is very small. We only we only grow uh, mustard, cumin, and uh, fennel seeds as uh, spices. If we blend out um, herbs, which are technically not spices, um, mm -hmm. so um, we have those three types of, of spices, which uh, actually we we uh, started to work with three, three and a half-ish years ago before we didn't use any spice at all. And we made our spices ourselves from trimmings of vegetables, meat and fish. So we dehydrate a lot of the, the peels and trimmings. Sometimes we ferment them first or smoke them and then use them for sure also decor in decora decorational um, moments, but also as spices. And since celeriac has a lot of natural um, glutamine, um, it's like a, a organic and natural version of uh, aromat. So we mix it up with a little bit salt and put it uh, in marinades, in sauces. And at the moment, we also give it uh, in small um, small lids, uh, containers um, to our guests when they leave as a small present to take Rechbe uh, at oh, home. Really? Yeah. That's very cool. Wow. How, um, how many people are you employing in your kitchen? You know, how, what's the size of the team? It's then? Andy Bolliger, Manuel Eschle, both two trained and professional chefs. And we have one apprentice that is uh, Moana. Moana Meyer, she started last August, and yeah, and me, but uh, I'm just part time in the kitchen, so I also do the administrational, organizational, and strategic work for our cuisine. So uh, Andy, Manu, and Moana are working all three, hundred percent in the kitchen, but all three of them with uh, four days a week. Okay. And what's your uh, what's your management style with the? I yell at guests? them all the time. <laughs> oh, so it's very very flat. So we discussed everything together. Every everybody has a voice that he he shall uh, use, and yeah. So we're very very very. Can they um, can they come up with uh, menu suggestions? Um, they dishes? have to. Um, they have to so not just that they also have to organize themselves on the on the stations so when we decide to to put the a dish on the menu mostly they have to organize themselves how to set up the station how to set up the mise en place and i assist them with process optimizing and planning uh, options so i don't know if we if we have uh, at the moment, yesterday we, we changed the first dish, which is now a compote of um, dry peas with uh, um, mustard sprouts that we sprout in house with fresh horseradish and the vegan uh, beurre blanc that we do from uh, the yellow peas, the dried peas. So uh, mm -hmm. as, as you need to water them for at least 
24 hours, then cook them, cool them out, reheat them and, uh, and, and season them. It, it, it takes a, a bit of time and, and time management to, to get into a rhythm. And that's where my knowledge and expertise comes in. So I suggest, yeah, we, 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 we now set up a, a, a production batch of, I don't know, two kilos of peas. And in two days, we water the next two kilos of peas like this. We always end up with four kilos of, of uh, watered and cooked peas every two days and, and get into a rhythm where we can uh, have enough mise en place around to, to serve the menu. Um, I'm, I'm curious to know, so you guys have been open, what, I think 17 years, right? You've been part of, uh, no, uh, seven years. We opened up, we opened up in 2016. Okay. Seven years. So out of all that time, what's the most memorable experience you've had, um, as a chef at Reichboat? Hmm. Or what was the biggest uh, accomplishment? There are, that are, there are so many moments that I'm, I'm feeling blessed that I felt blessed. The last mm -hmm. for sure was when, you know, when, when, uh, on the, on the, uh, applied for the position at, uh, at, at Rechberg, uh, I, I, I felt very honored that, uh, uh, a person that worked uh, more than two years at the two-star Michelin restaurant that now is the three-star Michelin right. restaurant applies to cook with me. I felt very honored. Right. The other hand, when when I get invited to to talks as yours, for example, I feel like wow. I when I when I started cooking, I never thought that people are going to 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 ask me about my opinion and and this keeps on going and and it's getting more and more every every year and now with this um, platform soul to soul and gastro futura coming up with an which being a and both networking platforms to connect uh, chefs producers customers um, journalists to to show what what sustainability lies in our work and what you can can reach out to and 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 be able to move just by cooking uh, that's wonderful that's that's mm -hmm. so so great and that's also what we we wanted to achieve with our with our enterprise we wanted we wanted to do and to, to, to do something good, it's something that that feeds people on on different levels and and helps out to 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 um, construct a healthy type of gastronomy. And that is wonderful. That is more than um, than uh, I ever expected uh, 18 years ago when I started to cook. That's great. Let's um, let's switch gears again um, and talk a little bit about Switzerland and, and, and the industry here in, in general. What's your take on uh, the options and restaurants available in, in, in Zurich in particular? I mean, um, especially post pandemic, 
you know, do you think the industry is in good health at the moment? Is there anything missing? What was your take on that? Mm, yeah, the pandemic um, really mixed up a lot of things. Um, there are businesses doing better, other worse than pre-pandemic. Um, all in all, I think in Zurich, we have a wonderful scene. It's very diverse, very different approaches and different weights that are put in. And I, I, I think I, I see it very positive. So the motivation of most of, of my colleagues working in the, in the industry around me, like really in Zurich, are, are super healthy and, and I, I really like it. Um, I also like that that the big players really um, putting a focus on 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 what we are we are doing. So I having talks with with people working at at Hiltel, Tibitz, SV Gastro, uh, and and if you look at Swiss Re, what 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 they are doing in their their cuisines, and it's a lot lot of movement. And I think it's going in the in the right direction. So I still think it's a lot to do. A lot to focus on, but people, um, people starting to realize what they can, what they, what their impact is, but also that profit and fame is not everything, and it can come, come and go very fast. So, I, I, I think we're on a good way here. Mm -hmm. And um, speaking about the pandemic how was that for you like how how did you guys navigate no. that did you um did you look into you know um online delivery did you have to scramble to to get that in place or was that already in place like how did you operate in this in this time um i was it was very very different so emotionally it was like everything at uh, at once you know it was shocking scary and um and and very very um annoying but it also had this beautiful aspect so it was so quiet and i had so much time for myself and i'm i'm a person that gets along pretty good with with itself but um yeah so the first lockdown we used as a possibility to um, to uh, getting our fingers into uh, setting up an online store and a delivery of uh, cooking kits. So uh, we um, s um, worked out recipes with based on our products that we had in Rechberg at the moment because since we are all very optimistic until the 15th of march we we didn't uh we didn't thought that it's going really to close down but it did right so our dry storage had some grains we had uh, some fresh ve uh, vegetables <laughs> we had some fish we had some meat and yeah we we worked out uh, cooking kits for our guests to cook at home and um, this was very fast. So I think it was second or third week of uh, first lockdown. We already had the first kids together. 
We also filmed, we made a movie for each recipe, which was a hell of a fun. We, we really got into, into this movie making process, which was <laughs> so bet, good. Right. And, um, yeah, so we, each of us had like their, um, niche where they could do their work. So I was obviously working out the recipes. Alexander took care of the setting up, uh, of the, of the movies, Raphael, um, took care of the distribution and the online store, which was a huge work and Celine, uh, also. Uh, jumped into the 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 universe of packaging you know of sustainable packaging open mm -hmm. up this pandora box you 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 it's in infinitive what what cool possibilities you have for especially now with our network and yeah then we did i don't know i don't rem quite remember i think it was like six or or ten recipes that we did and it was every week it was a new recipe and at, by the end we had about 150 kids that we were uh, delivering ourselves yes it was also the moments where where we kind of uh felt that um that the reopening is going to happen pretty soon and the 150 is too much <laughs> yourself but uh, it was a super super nice um experience and we learned a lot in this time and we had a super fun 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 time yes did you work with um any of the um, other providers no. like uber eats no no okay yeah and the second lockdown we it was i think the, the 19th of december the, you know the 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 post post uh, first lockdown um, yeah area was was very 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 heavy for us emotionally because I think it was August or September when they started to bring out new regulations every two or three weeks and we sometimes felt like the rabbit in front of the snake in. Right. impossible to move and it was we i think everybody of us was at the end waiting just to to close down and clean the kitchen and get out and yeah so mm. the second lockdown was was a bit different we took a lot of time reflecting we took a lot of time planning and constructing rank because in january um 21 the the construction started at Rank, so they had to mm -hmm. to uh, rip out the whole strip club and and started to build the kitchen and it was not just the second lockdown but also the sweats that uh, blocked the construction site yeah it cost okay. us a lot of nerves a lot of money all our reserves <laughs> went out then yeah it was uh, yeah we were yeah we were you know that that was that was a difficult difficult time on the one hand mm -hmm. but on the other hand since 2006 when i finished my apprentice i never had a break i was cooking mm -hmm. when i finished one job i already i had already signed the contract for the next job i never took 
took time to to I don't know, you know, pause and pause, yeah. and this was I learned a lot about myself in the in the second lockdown uh, and and I sure also got personally a happier person and yeah so it also has a good good aspect very cool um pandemic aside what advice would you give to someone who is thinking about opening a restaurant in uh, in zurich i mean like you've done this like what what learning advice would you uh, would you give to all the would-be chefs or restaurateurs don't do it there? we're enough <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, everybody says that, no, that every when i ask this question everybody says that. no it don't was a it. joke um wonderful great decision be open exchange share your your vision share your dreams ego is not your amigo um you don't have to prove anybody you just have to be better than than yourself the day before you don't have to be better than anyone else you don't have you don't have pressure that you don't set up set up yourself you know don't don't get yourself influenced by social media or or think so standards setting up by anybody else than you um ask be be curious and 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 also be brave just try out things believe in what you what what you do believe in yourself but also believe in others and and let them help you if you need help ask for it you will get it maybe you don't get it in this form maybe you don't get it in this time but you will get it and you just have to ask for it and and be open and yeah mm -hmm. and given um you know as a head chef given what you know now what advice would you give to your 20 year old self if you could go back and talk to yourself 20 years ago what would you tell yourself <laughs> hmm. <laughs> i don't want to, to, to <laughs> to sound arrogant but i would i would tell myself you're you know it's it's right you're, you're right just mm -hmm. just do it just go ahead because just i was very ahead. insecure and um i had I had issues with myself i didn't believe in myself and a lot of people around me didn't believe in what i do and and i was right i i i i I held on to it. I, I did it, and and yeah, maybe I would tell me tell me that. Good, <laughs> Good for you, man. Very cool. Look, thank you very much. Um, you know, we're almost at the end. Um, super, super insightful stuff. Um, I just have three more questions to ask uh, before we go. If you could indulge me in that, um, the first one is. In your opinion, is cooking a art or is it a craft? It can be. It can be both. I think it doesn't necessarily have to, but it can be both. You know, when I when I cook my 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 porridge at home, um, it's surely a craft. 
but uh, it it can turn into an art if I if I um, reach out, try to reach out for the best oats and the best nuts and season it with with some special spices or, mm-hmm. or fats. So mm-hmm. I think it's always a mixture of both. It always okay. depends the motivation. Okay. And uh, the next question is, if you were trapped on a desert island, what would be the three things that you took with you? If you could just take three. On a remote islands. Mm. Hmm. Um, I never been asked that question. <laughs> um, probably uh, a good knife. <laughs> yeah. Usually chefs always <laughs> say that. That's the first thing they say. A knife. A good yeah. knife. Um, can I can I bring a satellite telephone to call help? So is that... <laughs> you, you can we can pack that in for you, no problem. Uh, no, but uh, um, I actually would would like to try it out with actually not even a knife. I I I, I think how long can I survive with with just what just with my hands? Maybe I would take nothing with me. Yeah. Wow. That's. Uh... That's interesting. Okay. And, and the, the last one is, um, you know, do you have any social media accounts that our listeners can uh, follow to see uh, you or, or your restaurants, you, you know, so we can follow what you guys yeah, are doing? Yeah, absolutely. There. So my personal account, you will find it under Carlos Navarro, but uh, the name is the underline Carlitos underline way underline story. And okay. the Rechberg underline 1837 um, shows a little bit what we're doing in general in Rechberg. So my personal account shows more the, the cooking spectrum of our work and the official restaurant account shows a bit everything. And the Kulturlokal am Rank account shows what is going on in Rank. Also, Michaela Frank, uh, the head chef at Rank, has her personal account, Frank underline am Rank, which is she's using very frequently. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have to say this this concept that you've done at Rank. I mean, it's like two of my favorite things, right? Jazz yeah, you have and gastronomy. <laughs> yeah, so I am 100% coming there very soon. Without a shadow of a doubt. Um, cool, man. That's great. So really, thank you very much uh, to, to, to you, Carlos, for, for taking the time and, and being part of this uh, podcast today. And also to you, the listeners, thank you for tuning in and listening to Carlos' story. Um, I wish everybody the best. Um, and Carlos, hopefully we will uh, yeah, see each other so. soon. So thank you, Daniel. It was wonderful talking to you. And thank you for setting up this format of uh, having grabbing a drink with uh, Swiss chef, but also with Daniel. <laughs> thank you very much, Carlos. You too. Take Bye-bye. care. Bye bye.
Hey folks, thanks for listening to this episode of Grab a Drink with the Swiss Chef. Hope you enjoyed it and are much more wiser for it. And as I tell you all the time, if you fancy giving us a rating, it makes a big difference. I know it's a pain, but your support is crucial. So if you do feel motivated, go to wherever you get your pods from and give a review or a rating. Obviously, we depend on listeners and depend on more and more people finding out about this pod. So if you've liked what you've listened to, a good review really does help. Thanks, folks. Really appreciate it.